New Testament section of the Church Bible. It is taken from the first letter of John, chapter 3, beginning at verse 11 to the end, and from chapter 4, ending at verse 6. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. Do not be astonished, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. All who hate a brother or sister are murderers, and you know that murderers do not have eternal life abiding in them. We know, love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. By this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit that he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit does, that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming. And now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God does not listen to us. 
From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, I've been coming to All Saints for a few years now. Um, delighted to be able to uh, come with my family this morning um, and to share this message. Um, so let's pray. Um, Father God, we just pray that uh, you will bless these words that I speak and thank you for the scripture that you have given us to guide us and to lead us uh, to live our lives in accordance with your purpose. Um, amen. So we're in this series of 1 John, um, and we're looking at what it means to love one another, um, and what love means to us living out our lives as Christians on a day-to-day basis. So I think the book of 1 John is really about how followers of Jesus Christ should be holy, about how we should be set apart for God, that we shouldn't just blend in and be indistinguishable from society, Um, And it is that love, it's that actions of love that sets us apart from the rest of society, from the rest of the world. So I think it's quite clear that showing love for one another is a non-negotiable hallmark of Christian believers. So the dictionary describes the word hallmark as a stamp of authenticity. So if you're going to buy an object, perhaps it's of value, something uh, that's perhaps an antique, um, what you'll look for is that hallmark. You'll look for that stamp of authenticity. And you know that if you see that, that it's the real deal, that it's not a fake. But as followers of Jesus, the passage says that it's our love and it's our actions of love for one another that sets us apart, that is our hallmark. And that love is indelible. And that if we are in Christ, it can't be washed away. So I think the passage throws up three main questions which I want to go over in turn. First of all, why is that love so essential? Secondly, how we might show that love? And thirdly, how might we know that we're on the right track? So first of all, why is it essential that as Christians we show love for one another? So John reminds us straight away in verse 11 that we should love one another. And in verse 12, he gives a stark warning that we shouldn't be like Cain. So everyone would be familiar with that story. Why did Cain murder his brother? Well, it was out of envy and of jealousy and a desire to get one up on him. In short, the love, the bond that held that family together was broken by that evil act. So Cain was angry that his brother's offering to the Lord was accepted and his wasn't. The theologian Rebecca de Young said that envy is the enemy of love. Envy is something we might all be guilty of from time to time. Perhaps that we've worked really hard and we want to get a promotion, or we've tried to put ourselves forward to be noticed in a position, but someone else who we think is less worthy gets offered that. How do we respond? Do we respond out of envy, or do we respond out of love? And Jesus himself warns us against this sin. In Matthew 5, verse 21, Jesus says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in in danger of the fire of hell. So it's not optional for us to show love to one another. We must show love to our Christian brothers and sisters in all circumstances, in all situations, regardless of how we might feel at the time. 
And then in verse 13, John talks about not being surprised if the world hates us. The world might think that Christians are lovely people, of course we are, but the difference is the way that they see Christians loving one another is toxic to their selfish view of the world. The view of the world is that they will do anything that benefits them, regardless of the consequences or the impacts on other people. And they know deep down that the Christian love, the Christian way of showing love to one another, is something different and it holds up a mirror to their own consciousness. So their own consciences, sorry. And then in verse 14 it says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. And anyone who, loves what, who does not love remains in death. These are such powerful words, aren't they? John recognised that there was a threat to the church. The very continuing existence of Christ's people was coming from false teachers, false prophets, and those seeking to sow discord, disharmony, disunity amongst the church. A solid object will melt or dissolve when the chemical bonds that are holding its molecules together are weakened and they break, usually through applying heat. And eventually there'll be nothing left. There'll be no trace whatsoever of what was there before. And John saw that this lack of love and those seeking to disrupt and destroy was so very dangerous. Their hate was like a blowtorch on the bonds that held God's people together. And the enemy wants nothing more to break them down, to make the church irrelevant or indistinguishable and ineffective. So love is a hallmark of Christians. It's indelible, it's essential, and we must show love for one another. So the second question then is, how can we put that love into action? Well, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is our model. Jesus is our guide. He is our hope. He is our foundation. And Jesus went to the cross to lay down his life for us. In verse 16 it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. In John 15 verse 13 it says, greater love has no one than this, than a man who lays down his life for his friends. So as you may remember at Remembrance we talk about that verse, it's commonly used in terms of military sacrifice or valour in war. But the idea of laying down our lives for brothers and sisters could seem a bit far-fetched, but laying down our lives could mean many things for us. We might not be asked to die for other believers, well, we hope not, but we're asked to give up maybe our time, our money, or our own comfort. Verse 17 says, if anyone sees a brother or sister in need. Well, we've all got needs, and these vary depending on the seasons of life and whatever life might throw at us. Laying down our lives may mean being prepared and willing to do whatever is necessary to help others. Financially and materially, we may all have times when we can help others. And at the same time, we also might all be in need at a different time of life. A great example of this in churches is where they provide meals for people that have just had a baby or if they're ill. And it's often the people that have benefited from that act of love who are most eager to provide it when they're in an opportunity to do so. And in our circles, our workplaces, our communities, or even our families, they contain a variety of people, both Christian and non-Christian. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we've died to self, as Paul puts it in Romans 6. And this means that our old selves have been crucified 
along with Jesus and we emerge a new creation. So we may already have laid down our old lives and therefore we're not governed by the same instincts and behaviours as before. Where it might have been natural to sow division or ignore others' needs, we're reminded starkly of the need to show love. And if we know our brothers and sisters have needs and we can help, then we must. So going back to the contrast with the world, they often respond when something unfortunate happens by people saying, well, I'm thinking of you. They offer their thoughts. Thoughts and prayers sometimes might be a bit better. And people perhaps feel they've done what they ought to do and then they could perhaps move on with a clear conscience. But here is the point John's making. And in verse 18 he says, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It's the actions that make the love count, not just the words. And in James 2 it reinforces it. Um, In verse 15 he says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. So how do we know who is in need? It's not always obvious. When was the last time that you shared your own needs with someone else? Do you feel uncomfortable doing this? Or what networks do you have to do this? Do you have a home group or a prayer triplet? How do you communicate your needs? Do you perhaps feel embarrassed or reluctant to ask? So lastly, how do we know that we're on the right track? I don't know about you, but if I sometimes hear a a talk, a Christian talk or a sermon about Christian living, I sometimes might zone out a bit because I might feel that I'm just not good enough or that the message is for others with more money, more talents or perhaps more connections. But in verses 19 to 22, John says that all we need to do is know that we belong to the truth and how our hearts condemn us because God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. This is both a comfort and a warning. If we're seeking to be more Christ-like, to be transformed into his likeness, then we will have our hearts condemned. But because of this, we know that we're in the truth. When a brother or sister has a need, and we either don't help, and we feel that we should have, or we do, but we feel that we perhaps have not done enough, then we're having our hearts condemned and by that we know that we're in the truth. And the question I think we should ask ourselves is, are we meeting the needs with open hands or clenched fists? Are we doing it gladfully or begrudgingly? And perhaps there's one or two common excuses. We all might say that we're busy. How do we give and use our time is probably one of the most valuable ways that we can show love for one another. There was a Twitter account called Very British Problems. I don't know if you've seen that. And one of their most popular posts was a conversation between two Brits that have not seen each other for quite a while. And the first question is, how have you been? And the reaction is always, well, I've been busy. What about you? Oh, I've been so busy. We all know that. We 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 all see that. Certainly that's my experience. But life throws lots of demands on our time. But how do we use that, our time, to show love for one another? We might not listen, we might not notice. A recent mental health campaign video for men showed how asking the same questions or going for the same old comforting topics ignores the possibility that someone might be struggling. Instead of saying or accepting the answer, fine, when asked how someone is, people are encouraged to say, are you sure? Is there anything else that, I can talk, that we want to talk about? So let's make time and listen to one another. Don't leave people on read 
or take days longer to respond to messages. Sometimes, even though you you might even feel like drawing the curtains, catching up with your favourite show, or going on social media or whatever, try and find some time to to show love to one another and try and meet a need. In verse 23, John sums up, reminding us again to love one another as Jesus commands us. As you can see here, the language is getting stronger. Okay, it's a reminder at the start of the, verse, uh, of the passage, and it's a command at the end. So it's a compulsory command for all believers to show love for one another. So just to sum up, as we come to finish, let us do what we can to love one another. Let us love one another in actions and in truth. So as we go out into our lives, perhaps think about the following two questions. How can you meet someone else's need this week? But also, how can you communicate your own needs to others? Let's pray. Father God, guide us to show the love for one another. Give us opportunities to share our needs. Let us demonstrate the great love that you showed through your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you.